Well, Todd, thank you for that um, very warm welcome. And um, it's really amazing to be here um, and to see all of the faces of people that we've come to know and love. And to, uh, we cherish generous giving. It's an important part of, of our lives. And um, we're just honored to be here. So thank you, Todd. My journey of generosity began two years ago, as Todd mentioned, at a conference in Atlanta. Um, my heart was ready, um, but I was a little scared. I was a little nervous. I wasn't sure what to expect. And a little of my story might help to explain what, what I mean. So years ago, as I was starting my uh, career as a young lawyer in New York City, and I was also a, a father and a husband, new, new, uh, new family at the time, um, my goal as I set out on my professional career was to um, make as much money as I possibly could. Um, to support my family, of course, but also because I wanted to enjoy the finer things in life. Um, I'm not really a saver by nature. Um, in my broken nature, I guess I'm more of a spender. Um, and so what I really was seeking was not wealth accumulation, but um, a great lifestyle. Not long ago, maybe just a few years ago really, I realized um, that I had actually got all of those things that I set out to get. Um, there was one thing missing, a sports car. <laughs> so I went and I bought one. Um, what I did was I actually ordered it, um, and so all I had to do was wait. <clears throat> now generosity is all about the heart. Um, and so I want to say a few words um, about how my heart was made ready um, to, to begin the journey. For years I struggled um, myself with shame and, and with regret for some of the things that I had done as I grew up and as I uh, lived my um, sort of rambunctious college life. Um, and even as my circle of relationships professionally um, and in my you know, private life grew, um, I found that really what I was was surrounded by a crowd of acquaintances. And sadly, those acquaintances included my family and my friends. I was unknown to them because I was closed off emotionally, um, and I isolated myself. It's not, it's not really possible to love other people well when you don't really love yourself. So as I became more increasingly lonely, that started to turn into disillusionment. And on the outside, everything looked great. Professional success did lead to a very nice income. Um, and a great lifestyle. I had an awesome wife, two amazing kids, <laughs> two, two amazing kids, two houses, two cars, two dogs. And I was asking myself constantly, is there anything more? And I felt really guilty, really guilty about feeling that way. Who was I to complain? Yet there I was, facing despair. Through, the, through an introduction that my wife made to a very dear couple um, who lead a ministry in Connecticut where we live, um, I was able to start the process of restoration a few years ago. I'm so thankful to them and to the team that works with them for the work that they've done in my life. Through that ministry, I was able to finally receive forgiveness and to forgive myself. I, re I rediscovered who I was in the Lord, a cherished son, not an orphan, and I was brought back from the abyss, and I was able to start swimming in a sea of grace. But then I started asking myself some questions. 
Now what? What do I do with the rest of my life? And I was starting to ask questions like, well, what does a big city lawyer have to do with building God's kingdom? Am I making any eternal contributions? How does, um, do I have to quit my job and become a missionary? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So around about that time, Laura attended a journey of generosity, a jog. And she attended it on her own. And she came back extremely excited. And I was really intrigued and I was excited for her. But I think my exact words were, I'm not ready for that level of conviction. <laughs> and she was wonderfully patient with me. Um, and it became clear, though, at that time, especially to her, that our journey of generosity wasn't really ready to begin. And so we didn't really talk about it for a while. About that time, we had an opportunity to go to Hong Kong uh, for my job. Um, and uh, we went. And we didn't know it at the time, but it was interesting. That, that time, as we look back on it, really became an inflection point in our lives, like a dramatic pause almost. So when we got back from Hong Kong, we needed new cars. Um, and so that's when I placed that order for the sports car. Several weeks after that, in a moment that was extraordinary, I heard what I believed to be the voice of God asking me, will you give up this car for me? And I knew it was him, because I would never say that to myself. <laughs> so um, grudgingly, to be quite honest, very grudgingly and achingly even, I agreed. A few weeks after that, I received um, a completely unexpected tax refund check um, for the same amount of the price of the car. Laura and I were completely stunned, um, and to this day, we pinch ourselves. We still don't believe it, and, but at the time, we really had no idea what that meant. About that time, which was maybe about a week after that happened, I was reminded about generous giving, and I decided, you know what? I think I need to figure out what those people have to say. So we signed up for the Atlanta conference, um, and one week later, after signing up, we signed up at the last minute. Wouldn't have happened this year. <laughs> we found ourselves in Atlanta, sitting in a conference room just like this, side by side, wondering what's going to happen. A little bit nervous, but with a heart that was ready to receive from the Lord. So like Mark said, we got here at the same time, but by two completely different paths. We're just wired differently, somehow it works, but... Um, I really needed more time to process what God was doing in my heart. And like he told you, I had been to a jog um, previously and was super challenged, freaked out really by the message and just turning everything in my head upside down of what I thought generosity looked like. And I remember coming home and he likes to, you know, he indulges me. But I was really lit up, but I didn't know what to do and he wasn't ready. So um, he encouraged me to do my thing, which I did. I started giving away my artwork. I started selling it and giving the money away. And it was amazing to see him let me have some freedom with that because God started doing amazing things with people that he would bring to me out of the blue to buy it and then where he would lead me to give the money. And the timing was so crazy. And it was just so cool because I never thought that something that I loved and had always viewed as sort of a selfish part of how I spent my time because I love to paint so much. But 
he made it really clear that he wanted to be able to use all of who I was in this area. And so being able to give and, and use my artistic gifts for the Lord in that way was invigorating. It was amazing. So for a while that was going on and Mark was really encouraging. And um, I started waking up spiritually and realizing there really is more. And it doesn't mean I have to be this person over here and then go do this thing here. He wanted all of me to be engaged. And I think um, it was just it just started to become clear that he was in the details. And I am such a, I need the confirmation of details and God has not disappointed me. For two years, I have journals, you guys, full of details that would blow your mind of God's hand in every step of the way. We've been on this crazy journey together. So um, when we showed up at our first conference, like Mark said, we were both nervous but excited. We came with some friends and I knew I was ready for something because I'd kind of heard the message, but I didn't know what we were sitting here that first night, just not really sure what to think. And we got to hear John Reinhardt talk about gospel patrons and he wrote a book about it and he was one of the featured speakers. And Mark and I sat there looking at each other and it was as, as if our calling was being described to us. It, it was unbelievable. It was like every question about why, why us, Lord? Why have you blessed us? Why in our family is, why, why, why? all of a sudden it made sense and we started to see visions of what we could do besides consuming it um, which we were really good at um, so it was amazing because that was just that was probably the first thing that that really hit us um, we wanted to be like him everybody we heard at that conference was so happy and so joyful and i just remember sitting there thinking they're so happy, they're so free, they're so liberated. And I think a lot of fear that I had about stepping into radical generosity was like that it was gonna be um, restricting and that I wasn't gonna be able to buy pretty clothes anymore or you know diamonds or things that you know girls like. And so I, I don't know, I think it just really set me free in the sense of it doesn't look just one way and it affects your whole life and I think um, the other awesome thing, we heard an, a really brave couple from China talk about being angel investors. And it's this idea that you take some risks and you be the first one to step in and fund or invest in stuff God's doing. And Mark and I thought that was just crazy enough to be fun. So we, we started thinking about, well, man, there's things in our lives already that we could take some risks and jump in and do that. So that really inspired us. Um, and we went home and we just started giving more to the people that were in our lives. It wasn't hard. We already knew so many people that were actually living out the gospel in ways that we didn't have the guts to do, quite frankly, and weren't about to go to Africa and like do these things you hear about that are so inspiring but just aren't your reality. But we started to realize that um, the people right in front of us needed more of what we had to give. So it was easy. We just started stepping into that. And um, it really just woke us up. It was fun. Um, the first major swap in our behavior, I would say, was trading a Caribbean vacation for... Um, let me back up. We, we were really good at spending money on ourselves, just to be clear, like lavish vacations. And like Mark said, we had this lifestyle. And once you reach a certain level of that, it's what's the next big thrill going to be? And so we'd go on one vacation and then we'd come home and start planning the next one. And it was always because Mark's job is so stressful and he works a lot of hours. We kind of lived for these experiences. And so it had been just custom for us to go from one high to the next in that way. And so we thought, well, 
doesn't feel right this year to do it. We'd just been to generous giving and it was a few months later, we were thinking about plans we had made and thankfully I hadn't put the deposit down yet. So we decided to trade a week in the Cayman Islands and send our money to the Philippines where we built three kindergartens um, in the poorest areas of the Philippines. And we had just been to Hong Kong, so that was fresh in our minds and we knew the need was great. So then the crazy thing, the, the handmade paper books with pictures and drawings and letters started coming in the mail. And every time we got another one, we were like, oh my gosh, these are real kids with real families. And it just came to life that this is no joke. Like we have the power to change communities and we've been sitting on our hands. And I, I remember feeling a mix of guilt, shame, excitement, for, like all of these emotions at once, because I didn't know what to do with the fact that there were all these possibilities in front of us and I hadn't been taking advantage of them. So it just, um, it became really clear that this whole thing wasn't just going to be a season of trying out this crazy giving. It had to be our new way of life. Um, so we went home from the conference and about a month later we listed our dream house for sale. Um, for those of you who know me, we've moved 13 times in 22 years and I said, I'm done. I love this house. This is it. I'm going to die here. So. I didn't see that one coming, but we had heard some other people talk about selling homes. I mean, everything was on the table at that conference. I think we heard everything, um, every kind of example of giving, which was really cool. So we put our house up for sale, and everybody was so convinced that it was going to go quick. We, we had water views, and it was a beautiful place that we loved, and it didn't happen. It just, um, I started to get confused, and I'm like, gosh, did I get this one wrong? Maybe God doesn't want our house. Um, it certainly wasn't planning out how I thought it would. So, back to Mark. So, um, some, month, some months after the conference, God actually did reveal to me what the car was about. Um, he had a better plan for me. In fact, he had a better car. Let me tell you what that was like. In those early months, following the Lord and stepping into generosity, as Laura was describing, was like getting into God's sports car. I asked him if he wanted the keys. He said, no, but he did call shotgun. <laughs> so God and I got into his car. I hit the, uh, we buckled up, got a buckle up. I hit the ignition, the car roared to life. And as I grabbed the steering wheel and looked over at the Lord and my father, he had a big smile on his face, and he just said one thing, floor it. <laughs> so our journey of generosity did begin, and we had some ups, as Laura described, but we also had some downs, um, some things that were challenging initially. Um, and actually, the, the journey has been really rewarding, not just because of the ups, but maybe even especially because some of the downs. Um, a little while into the uh, into our journey together, I realized that I was moving ahead of where Laura was. I'm, I'm kind of built for speed. I don't look like it, but I am, trust me. <laughs> and so, you know, initially Laura's there in the passenger seat with me and we're speeding along. And then, you know, a few months later, she's kind of in the back seat, and, you know, after that, she's in the trunk. <laughs> and before I knew it, she was like on the rear bumper holding on for dear life. But the reality was, was that it was actually starting to cause some friction in our marriage. And so we called some really good friends and we said, hey, would you come over and help us work this out, talk it out? And it was one of those precious moments where it was just friends talking, trying to figure out life. 
And I realized that, you know, sometimes that car needs a tune-up. Sometimes it needs to be in the garage. And it was one of those moments where Laura and I really connected because I realized that to do this well, we have to do it together. Um, so my marriage has been reinvigorated by this journey. Um, we found a mission for our marriage. So every marriage needs a mission, I believe. Um, sometimes it's the kids, uh, but what happens when the kids start to leave? Then what? So as we pressed into this, um, we realized we were a really good team. Um, we have complementary strengths, and we also cover each other's weaknesses. And so we found a really great space where we could work and play together, and so we found our mission. The kids responded in different ways, actually. One was all in right away when she found out that this is what we were going to do. Um, but the other one wasn't so sure and actually honestly asked us, why are we turning our lives upside down? And so that was a challenge, and we realized through our own experiences that you can't force anybody into generosity. Um, and so we just devised a simple way that we could enable um, our son to experience generosity by just allowing him to allocate a portion of our resources to causes that mattered to him. And so through the joy that he experienced in seeing the results of the giving, his heart was changed. And so I'm so happy to say that our son and our daughter, Chloe and Jack, are here with us tonight. So our, you know, in relationships with our friends started to change for me. So you remember that crowd of acquaintances that I was talking about earlier? Those, were, those acquaintances started to become deep relationships, friendships, where we count on each other, where we're doing life together, where we're sharing each other's burdens, but we're also celebrating each other's successes. And so doing life together in friendship, in community, has been just transformative in our lives. I started to wonder, what would generosity look like at work? You can't really just, I can't really just go around and talk to my colleagues about giving money away. It's just not appropriate in my professional workplace. And so as I thought about it, I realized, you know what? I can give my time and my expertise that I've accumulated over the years that I've been doing this. And so I really got serious about mentoring the younger generation of lawyers at my law firm. And through the help of a really good friend who's a professional coach, I worked on a mentoring program and I just won it. I gave it a try. And I'm happy to say that it's actually working. It's kind of, I'm, you know, it's, it's gaining some traction. And so that's been another outflow of this, this journey that we're on. So we're plugging along, doing all these new things. And I'm finding myself not so sure about the fact that we're laying down what had been the biggest idol in our lives, this house. Um, because God seemed to be ignoring me. Nothing was happening, hadn't sold, had no idea why. Nobody, no, there wasn't a realtor in our town who could understand why this house hadn't sold. And I, I was so confused. A year had passed. I was upset because my willingness to surrender uh, wasn't yielding any results. I even endured a torturous fast with the loving support of some friends and the needle didn't move. Um, I felt like I showed up at the altar with the wrong kind of goat. Awkward. <laughs> didn't get the memo, Lord. What am I missing? I was so confused. Um, it was not fun. So I found myself just really frustrated and I went to breakfast with my friend Cindy Halstead and we're sitting over pancakes and I will tell you Cindy has a way of extracting truth from people which is completely unavoidable. So she got it out of me that I was actually mad at God. 
And I grew up in the church, guys, and I'm telling you, that's a really uncomfortable thing to say out loud when uh, you're not raised to think that's a safe thing to be. Um, it was foreign to me. I'd been mad at plenty of people in my life. Um, but I did not have the guts to be mad at God, definitely not. Um, I grew up thinking that people who shake their finger at God had it coming. So anyway, Cindy encouraged me, you know, take this to the Lord. He can handle it. He's a big boy. Like, just tell him how you're feeling. Go on a run with Mark. Get it out. You need to process this with God. He can take it. Like, okay. So went home, and Mark and I went on a long run together. And it started to rain lightly, which made me really nervous because I'm thinking there's a, well, there's a lightning bolt coming my way. I know it. Um, so I'm struggling to process what I'm feeling. And Mark doesn't really know what my breakfast had just been with Cindy. And I'm sitting there and I'm like getting the words. That I'm almost afraid to admit to him that I'm mad at God because I can't believe I'm even going to say this to him. So I get the words out and I'm like, I, I, babe, I'm mad at God. What do I do with that? Like, I don't even know how to process this crickets. Said, he said nothing. We're just running along and I'm like, did you hear me? I just said I was mad at God and I don't know what to do. The words were, I kid you not, barely out my mouth and my cell phone rang. And it was our agent telling us an offer was coming that day on our house. I get emotional every time I think about it because the timing and God's mercy towards me and my weakness just blows me away even thinking about it. Um, so we sold the house two months later. We had nowhere to go. We were going to rent because our son still had a year left of high school. And we were looking at rentals. They were all horrible and disgusting. I mean, I was so grossed out. I'm like, Lord, I, I, what are we going to do? Hotel, maybe? Um, so nothing was happening. And we ended up getting a, a last-minute thing came on the market the day before we left for Mexico to do a family mission trip. And that was three weeks before we had to move. So God showed up just before we needed him. And um, so we thought, okay, we're going to rent. You know, we'd been renters for a long time. We lived in London for eight years. We were used to renting. We thought, we're, this will be good for us. We're really impulsive by nature. We tend to make snap decisions, which gets us in a lot of trouble. Um, so we thought, we'll take a year or two, and we'll put ourselves in this position of intentional uncertainty. Whoa, like, let's try that, you know? Um, we thought it would be healthy to just rely on God and, and not have a plan for once and just see uh, how that went. We were in no rush, so we thought it would be a good time to try that. Well, one month later, we ended up looking at a house um, that was not in any category in my mind of what sacrificing would look like. Um, it was beyond my wildest dreams for what God would lead us to what he would give us after where we had been and what we walked away from. I, I could barely even understand it. Um, it all happened really fast, but we quickly started getting glimpses of what God wanted us to do with this house and this property. And it was crazy because it was a third of the cost of the home we had sold with twice the land and more space. And God knew we would need a year to repair it. We've gutted it, so it's, it's, it's a mess. But it's just the timing of the whole thing. We couldn't have seen it coming, but... It, it was amazing how that all worked out. So we're, we're into all this renovation and ripping everything out, and it starts with you pick the piece of lint, and then before you know it, you're pulling the string, and now we're, the whole sweater's unraveled. We've got this thing completely ripped apart. And the last decision we had to make was to rip out 
whether or not we wanted to rip out the heating and air conditioning system because it was really pieced together and it was dirty and I have severe allergies to dust and molds and things like that. And we thought, well, we gotta have a clean house for all the people that come to stay with us. We can't have you know, people getting sick. And so we prayed about it and I thought, okay, well, that's more money. What's that gonna cost? And we ended up asking our builder, okay, fine. We think we're gonna go for it. Just give us the numbers. So he emails us that night with these lumps of numbers of more things we didn't see coming. And seriously, guys, the next day, we got another check in the mail that was an unexpected tax refund for the exact amount of replacing the heating and air conditioning, the whole system. I, I, it was a miracle, seriously. Such a confirmation that God was leading us all along. And the crazy thing is, this refund was because we were in Hong Kong three years earlier. Um, so... God knew we would need the money to do that. And so here we are knee deep, just excited to bring this house up to standard. And um, we, have, we believe God has amazing things planned for that space. Um, it's a little crazy. I mean, we have two kids, one in college, one's leaving. And here we go buying this massive house with all this land. And we're standing in this cavern of what's going to be our kitchen. And we're like, who does this? You know, we have to laugh about it because it's, it's a little crazy, but it's totally awesome. So just in closing, the vision that God has given us um, for this place that we're now renovating and we hope to open in the fall, as someone funnily said a couple weeks ago, when does it open? Is, to, is to convene God's people. Um, our vision is to bring Christians of all stripes together in our home, um, to convene, to talk about what God's doing in their lives, to rest, to, to restore, to, to talk about generosity and how God's love is perfected through giving. Mm -hmm. So we hope to host some of you there one day where our vision is for this house to become famous as the Jog House. So you never know if you're in Connecticut, look us up. Look us up. Thank you.